everybody and welcome to Nutty Buddy Sports and on today's episode I am joined by Clint and we talk about the four trades that have already happened in the NBA, we get into some Milwaukee Bucks talk and then we make some fake trades that's coming up right here right now on Nutty Buddy Sports. Welcome back, everybody, to Nutty Buddy Sports. I am your host, Ryan. And even though it's Super Bowl week, it's Super Bowl week this week, it does not mean the NBA has stopped for Super Bowl week. In fact, they are full steam ahead. Trade deadline is in uh, two days and Thursday. And there's been some trades today. So we're going to talk about the trades and then we're going to talk about some uh Fake trades, and then in the middle there, we're going to talk a little bit about the Milwaukee Bucks, which is our home state team here in Wisconsin. And with me to do that today, I have my friend Clint back. Clint, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Been kind of a crazy day, but it makes it more fun. That that's right. Yeah. Um, so you want to tell the listener who you root for and why for basketball? Big, sure. Big Milwaukee Bucks fan. I know last time I was the 49ers fan, which doesn't make sense growing up here in Wisconsin. But um, again, about the same time period, 93, 94, uh, really hopped on the bandwagon and have ever since. I have, uh, I was just showing my kids, I have magnets with the schedule they used to hand out at the Bradley Center from the 93, four season um, all the way through. Um, So been a diehard Bucks fan since that day. was there for the finals, all three games last year. So can't believe they actually won it. That That's great. Um, I was able to go to the game against the Nets. The game, game three, I believe, where Kyrie got injured. We were actually sitting right next to the basket where Kyrie fell and, and sprained his ankle. So um, you, let me ask you. Were bright. You were braver than me. I punted on going to game three when they were down 0-2 because I was like, yeah, they're just going to get this, it's gone so bad in game one and two that I'm like, you know what? If they win, I'll go to game four. That's that's fair, but I will tell you that I am not a Bucks fan. I don't root against the Bucks, you know. So um, listeners know, but maybe I'll just restate that I'm a Pistons fan. I've been a Pistons fan back since 02, 03, Ben Wallace, Chauncey Billups, and then they just been my team ever since, um, which has been a rocky road for me. But um uh, my favorite player, not the greatest player in my mind, Michael Jordan, but my favorite player is Kobe. I always loved his confidence. I just like the guy had extreme confidence. That's usually the way I like to play basketball. So, um, but yeah, I'm a Pistons fan. Let me, let me ask you this. Who, who's your favorite player of all, like whether it's a buck or, or basketball, a different basketball player of all time. Favorite buck is now Giannis. Prior to that, it was Glenn Robinson since he was sure. the number one pick basically the year I hopped in. So I did the whole big dog was better than Grant Hill, uh, Jason Kidd type that fell off. But uh, outside of that, probably Tim Duncan wasn't a big Kobe guy. You know, when you when you're a small market fan, well, you are too at the Pistons. But you know, growing up through the '90s, it was the whole large market Lakers. Yeah, all that stuff. But uh, I like Tim Duncan. He's kind of a boring player, but, you know, he stuck it to the Lakers a few times. So and let's face it, he doesn't get enough credit for how good he was, like because it was between him and Kobe 
you know, and, and Shaq, and then it was him and Kobe, and then it was him and LeBron. Like, he, he was kind of the constant through all those years, which is sort yeah. of interesting. Nobody talks about that. Do you have a random minute for a story since you're a Pistons fan? Yeah, go ahead. So, I, 99, 2000, the Bucks played the Pistons like two or three years in a row in the first round. Couldn't get over it. One of the years, they had Rasheed Wallace because his face is burned into uh, my memory on the play. But the Bucks had Michael Red, so I oh, went yes. with my brother, my brother, and my best friend, and we had lower level seats in the Bradley Center, right up against the uh, box seats, and uh, we painted ourselves red for Michael Red. So we had a sign in flames that had red, and there was three of us, and we had hot H O T. We painted ourselves red and put white letters. Uh, we got on TV a few times, uh, but I'll never forget that game because Michael Red went five for 22 uh, and Rashid Wallace hit a turnaround when the game was close and he did the shush to the crowd. And that was on our side of the court. Um, but that led to a few, a uh, few problems when people saw that we painted ourselves. <laughs> oh, no. Speaking of the Pistons, I hated the Pistons for those years. You know, they were much better than the Bucks, and the Bucks were doing the eight seater bust all those years, but yeah, kind of a side. Well, now, now they got Giannis, right? And they got Middleton. And we'll talk more about the Bucks. But uh, let me ask you this, because this is kind of fun. I know we got a lot of podcasts to do, but real quick, one, one, one other thing I wanted to ask you. So obviously, there's been a lot of success for the Bucks for the last year. So as a Bucks fan, what would you say is the one big what-if moment in your Bucks career? Like, uh, as you, uh, Bucks career. As a uh, career Buck, Bucks fan is what I'm trying to say. What Your biggest uh, what-if. Two of them. The biggest one is the 01 series against the uh, 76ers. Oh, yes. The 76ers got all those calls. And then despite that, um, it still plays in my head when Glenn Robinson missed that like eight foot baseline jumper in game five in Philadelphia. And then in game six, the Bucks routed the 76ers. Uh, and then when Andrew Bogut destroyed his elbow. Um, oh, yes. Not that they were going to win the title that year, but they got hot. Um, I went to a few of those games against the Hawks in the first round. I think they would have beat the Hawks that year, but just the excitement of that year, because they have been terrible since 01. Um, those are probably the two, but 01 was um, just crazy frustrating. I was a sophomore in high school, and I remember just all the people were like, we're so sorry, Clint. I can't believe what's happening. Yeah. Oh, that's the, them are two pretty good ones. I like I, You kind of forget how good that team was back in 01. And, and let's face it, they probably got robbed a little bit, but uh, we would have never. Go I do sleep good knowing I don't think they would. They, they routed the Lakers twice in the regular season that year, but I don't think they would have beat the Lakers. They had no one to stop Shaq. And if I thought the refs were bad against Philadelphia, imagine the refs in L.A., <laughs> you know, Bucks Lakers in a finals back then. I, they, they probably would have got one or two games, but it, I don't think it would have been. They don't really have a chance. Yeah, was that the year where the Lakers went? Um, they only lost one playoff game. They went sixteen and one. I believe so. They only lost. Yeah. The, I think yeah, the I think one so. in the finals, right? Yeah, the the Allen Iverson step over Ty Lue game. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I'll tell you real quick my biggest what if for the Pistons. They've had a lot over recent years, like drafting Luke Kennard over Donovan Mitchell, or even more recently drafting uh, Killian Hayes over. Uh, Halliburton, which we'll talk about in a couple of seconds, but uh, mine is what if the Pistons would have drafted Carmelo Anthony? 
because what they were missing on that team was somebody who could just get buckets like 30 points a game. And they went with Darko and that, that, uh, that hurt because I think that we could have won two more championships if we would have got Carmelo. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough one. I thought you might go with the Grant Hill injury, but I, I wasn't, I yeah, I wasn't a Piston fan that far back. Like, you know, it was 2002, 2003 when I became one. So, yeah, but that, that was one that you hear a lot of Pistons talk about fans talk about though. Grant Hill. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Carmelo, that's a rough one. Yeah, yeah, it's just like the 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 team that's on the cusp of winning a championship or whatever, and they're like, we could set ourselves up for the next eight years being in the finals if we draft right, and we we picked over Wade Bosch and Mello, we picked we picked Darko, so that's that's the biggest what if for us. Okay, man, you ready to get into what we're here for today? Let's shoot. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and get our outline up here. Okay. So we're going to do some NBA talk, and and more specifically, we're going to talk about the trades that have went down thus far leading up to the trade deadline. So we're going to start with the the one that has happened first to the one that happened most recent. So let's start with this one. The Blazers gave up Norman Powell and Robert Covington – um, for Bledsoe Wenslow Johnson, who was the 19th pick, I think, by the Clippers this past year, first round pick and a second round pick. So give uh, Clint, give your thoughts on this trade. And then maybe after we discuss it a little bit, we'll tell uh, uh, we'll pick a winner and a loser. I think I'll start with the Clippers because I think it's a great trade for the Clippers. Um, not even factoring in this year. It sounds like this year is pretty much shot for them. I don't think Paul George is coming back. I don't think Kawhi, I don't think they're going to push it. But when you got Steve Ballmer, who's willing to just throw money out the door as much as he wants, adding Powell and Covington with Kawhi, with Paul George back next year, um, you know, they set themselves up really good for next year. I 100% agree. I love that even defensive lineup because even though Powell is 6'3", he's a very good defender for his size and he's almost like the perfect complement to me for Paul George and Kawhi like he doesn't need the ball he's a really good catch and shoot guy and I think he can be like a good second option if you um, split up the minutes where two of those guys are on the court together so whether it's Paul and Powell or Leonard and Powell or Paul and Leonard until you get to the final minutes of the fourth quarter I just think that that's a trade that's and they got him for five years Right. So so it's not like a two year thing. Uh, funny is that Eric Bledsoe is making more this year than Powell is. I think he's eight, making 18 where Powell's only making 16. So they actually got uh, Powell, who's a better player on cheaper. And the Covington thing is his contract actually expires after this year. And he's a 13 million dollar cap. It. So they will. I think he will come off the books unless if they're going to try to resign him. But I think there's too much with Morris, Leonard and. Uh, Paul George just might be too, too much to, to give him minutes, but who knows, maybe they will bring him back. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they'll try just for, especially with Paul George and Kawhi getting a little older Sure. for the regular season, you can never have too many dudes for the regular season, yeah. you know, and they can eat minutes. You don't have to play Kawhi and PG 38 minutes a game. You can keep them 
in the low thirties and then come playoff time. Um, both of them can play. They're both playoff players. They're not just, you know, like Luke Kennard, he's a good regular season guy, but um, like when the Bucks just played the Clippers, you know, holiday just ate up Kennard the whole fourth quarter. They just hunted him out. So, but I don't think you're going to do that to Powell or Covington. So you can get good five guys out there come playoff time. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's, that's a good point. Um, what do you think of the trade for the Blazers here? So it makes more sense. We'll get into the CJ McCollum trade. So it, yes. it makes more sense when it first happened. It's kind of head scratching. Um, I wrote down, I went and looked it up. Um, the Blazers, they gave up. Where did I put it here? Yeah. So for the Blazers, they gave up Gary Trent, Rodney Hood, Derek Jones, and three first round picks to get Covington, Nance, and Powell. Yeah. And their return for those three players is Bledsoe, Winslow, Keon Johnson, and one first. So as far as like your asset management, poor yeah. <laughs> over the last year. But for what I think they're going to attempt to do, you know, I think they're going to buy up Bledsoe. I don't even think he's going to play. Keon Johnson, they probably see something. He's probably worth the first round pick he was last year. So I don't think it's terrible. I think they're going to make one last move to put some players around um, Dame, but on paper, it looks a little rough to start. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I just can't imagine though, that they couldn't find a better, like, I, you know, Luke is a Clippers fan. He's on the podcast. He's a big Paul George guy. And we were talking about earlier today and, and basically uh, we were, we were super happy that the Clippers got him right. Like great for the Clippers, but I just, and, and even after you see how it all plays out, you can now justify it more. But at the same time, you're just like, I still can't believe they couldn't have found a better offer for him because he's, he's a solid player. That is it, he, he his contracts for five years. Or th- I think this is the first of five years. So basically you, you have them locked in and it's not a lot of money, you know, to be paying this type of player. So I, I was just kind of surprised on the return they got for him. Even, even with everything that happened. Yeah, I would agree. I thought, you know, he would end up if they're going to move him. Um, I mean, you got to take salary back because he has a, a decent size number, but you would think if you split these two, uh, two up, you know, they traded away. I think they traded two first round picks to get Covington. You think you could recoup one for Covington and a player, a young player and a pick for Powell, but I guess you can dump a lot of salary there in one move and probably buy out Bledsoe or um, send him somewhere else to some team. He only has like three, three and a half million guaranteed next year. So maybe they'll pick up another second round pick or something out of it, dumping one of these guys, but you're right. You know, you would think individually you could get more than what they got. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll hold off because I want to talk a little bit more about the Blazers after we talk about their second trade, because I think that's important. Um, but let's uh, let's go uh, real quick. Who's your winner of this trade and loser? I, I think the Clippers are a clear winner unless the Blazers pull a rabbit out of their hat this summer. You know, hindsight could be look different, but at the moment, the Clippers, I think, ran away with this trade. Yeah, I agree. I would say the Clippers are the winner. And even if like they do do something really good, it's it's hard to say like that the Clippers lost because the Clippers didn't give up anything in this trade that you could see like coming back to haunt them really, unless if Johnson becomes like a perennial all-star somehow, which I guess we can't necessarily rule, rule that out. But 
Um, and again, I just think they could have got more for Powell. I just, you know, even, even if you're trying to unload salary and, and, and set yourself up for the future, I feel like you still could have done that and got a little bit more. So I give the W to the, the, the Clippers here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And even with Covington, you know, he's up after this year, I'm assuming they have like his bird rights. So they could even sign and trade him this off season if they don't want to keep him. Um, right. So I think that I don't think the Clippers can lose this trade because even if they, they don't bring back Covington, they save some money or they sign and trade him uh, for someone uh, different or even two players that equal his salary. Um, they'll just add to what they got. Yeah. Good point. Okay. Let's look at the next trade that came through. Karis Levert in a second round pick from the uh, Indiana Pacers for Ricky Rubio, who I think is done for the year right as of right now. First round pick and two second rounders. Okay, uh, let's just take, I guess we'll do what we did last time. Let's take it from the point of view of the Cavs. How, how do you feel about the Cavs, uh, the trade for the Cavs in this case, in this situation, this trade? I mean, I see why the Cavs did it. It, it fills the need. I don't like it for the Cavs, though. I don't think Levert is that good of a player. Um, I think he's kind of a ball stopper. They need a two guard. They need someone who can do some penetrating. Um, I just think for the team they have, he's going to shoot too much. He's going to slow down, not slow down. He's going to stop their ball movement some. Um, I just, and I don't think, I mean, he's not good at defense. Sure, that helps. They have Allen and uh, Mobley. I can't think. Mobley behind him. Yeah, that helps, but yeah, I think he's just going to be a guy in a playoff series that teams are going to seek out. So I get why they did it. It's not terrible, um, but I think, you know, giving up a first and two seconds, you probably could have done better than Karis Levert. I would prefer that they would have got, like, kept the seconds and gave up Rubio in a first for Eric Gordon. Yeah, that's a good point. I think uh, it's top was it top 10 protected or lottery protected? I can't remember. Do you remember? I think it's, I think it's lottery protected, but okay. You know? Yeah. So, so that's the other part of it, right? Like I could see if the, if they were, yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, as far as Levert goes, I think he's a little bit of a ball softer. I, I was wondering if they would want him to sort of fill the role of Colin Sexton, who is sort of a ball softer sort of himself, like coming off the bench. Um, I could see maybe how that might work a little bit because other than Garland, they don't have anyone that good to attack the basket. And I guess I was listening to uh, somebody talk about it today. Um, and they said that he uh, Levert's like top 10 in the league of attack his percentage when attacking the basket. But I don't like it for him being part of the starting lineup because you're taking the ball out of Garland and Mobley's and Jared Allen's hand. So, yeah. I would agree. I think he's just going to, he's going to save him a few games. I think he just, what do you have like 42 points like a week ago in a game? Yes. And he looks awesome in other games. He's just going to keep shooting and they, they really do good ball movement. Uh, they, you know, they, I think they're a pretty slow team as far as pace. So again, I don't think it kills them, but I don't think it's one of those moves where you give up protected first. One of those second rounders is a rocket second rounder. So that's, <laughs> probably the first or second pick in the second round um, for a guy that I don't think he moves the needle either way for them. Yeah. I, I sort of agree with that. And I agree with you as well with the Eric Gordon part, I would probably much rather have Eric Gordon than uh, Levert, Karis Levert, because I feel like that Gordon at least 
knows his role enough where he's not like a ball stopper. He moves it, but he's a great catch and shoot shoot um, type of player. I think Levert, his best like percentage shooting was his look rookie year. It's been going, it has gone downhill since then. So yeah, I guess we'll have to see for the Cavs. Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't think it kills them. I just think when you're a young team, they have a bright future. Um, no matter what they do this year, I don't, I don't think they're going to win it. Um, you know, they might, they should probably win a playoff series if they don't fall apart. I mean, all the teams are close in the East, so you could be first or sixth at this rate, but I don't think it's going to push them over the top to beat, you know, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Heat, you know, in a yeah. second round. So you're, you're kind of throwing something at a guy who he's not really young. He's 27, 28. He kind of is who he is at this point. Right. Um, and then you're going to have to pay him. I mean, he, I think he can get an extension this year or next. So I doubt you're going to give up a first and two seconds and let him walk in a year. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, well what about, um, what about the other side of this trade? How do you feel about it for the uh, Indiana Pacers getting Rubio on that first and two seconds? I think it's a great move for the Pacers. I don't think they wanted to pay Levert. They're obviously uh, rushing to the bottom. <laughs> as we've seen uh, with their, what we'll talk about with their other trade, but pick up another first, well, at least one really good second. I, guess this, I think the second second rounder might be a jazz second rounder. So it might not be um, that great, but you add some assets, you clear some salary. When you're doing what the Pacers are doing, I, I think it's a home run for them. Yeah. And, and like with them bringing, which we'll talk about in a moment, but bringing some young, talent in as well they have a divorce oh, what's his name divorce too what yeah duarte do yeah they have him as well so getting like it, it, when when we talk about trades the reason like we're going to talk about jeremy grant right uh and i think the pistons should trade him before the deadline and, and mainly because i want the offense to get into where Cade's running it all the time instead of like this thing where Jeremy Grant's doing his thing all the time. Um, but that's what I feel like this trade sort of does as well. Like Karis Levert's going to Karis Levert, right? Like he's just going to do his thing. So getting him off this team is going to let the young guys be able to move the ball, develop. And in, in someone like Halburn, for instance, I think he's going to really succeed under those circumstances. So. Yeah. And TJ Warren, I don't know if he'll come back this year. sounds like they want to keep, he's a free agent. It sounds like he wants to stay and they want to keep him, but you can only, you know, the Pacers, they're not a great team, but they have a lot of guys that needed the ball yeah. between Sabonis, Levert, TJ Warren, Malcolm Brogdon. So Levert's the obvious one to get out, um, yeah. get some assets and move on to next year. Uh, yeah. I a I hundred percent agree. So let's uh, win or loser. Who do you got winning this trade? I think the Pacers won the trade. I don't think the Cavs got murdered on the trade, but I, I don't think it does any. It doesn't really do anything for them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's like a maybe like a 70-30 or 65-35 type of split if you're going to go win or loser for me. Um, but but I think the Cavs, I mean, not the Cavs, the uh, Pacers, picking their spot. Hey, let's rebuild, getting that first, those two seconds, especially the Houston Rockets second round pick and just kind of unloading maybe a faulty asset for something is better than, you know, having him on your team at this point. So agree. 
Okay, let's go on to the next trade. So this is between the Pelicans and the Blazers. So the Pelicans received CJ McCollum, Larry Nance, and Tony Snell. The uh, Blazers got Hart, Staderansky, uh, Nikhil, Alexander, Walker. I don't know who Dighty is. I've never heard of him before. Have you? No, I think he's just a, a bench far down bench guy. Yeah. Uh, okay. A first round pick, which I feel like it was just the one where like they get it. If it's pick five through 14, this is the yep. one, right? So if, if it's one through four, it goes to the Pelicans. If it's five through 14, they, they get it. And then if it's anything over the, oh, there was did another, do the, do the Lakers still keep it then? Is it one of the Lakers picks? Could be. Could be, but the original team gets to keep it. That will, yeah. and then two second rounds. Okay, let's talk about the Pelicans. Who uh, first? Uh, what did you think about the Pelicans side of this deal? All right. Well, I think this is stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> this, this, we'll get on it with the Kings. I hate when teams do this. Um, CJ McCollum. It's not that he's a bad player. You know, he doesn't make. I mean, he makes a lot of money. I think he has uh, three years, $100 million left, but that's not going to cripple you. But I just look at it. Okay, so you add McCollum. You hopefully Zion isn't 400 pounds when he comes back next year. Um, you have a couple guys. All right. Are you going to be better than the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the Mavs? That doesn't even count the Jazz or Lakers. So you're making this trade. And you're still going to be a seven or eight seed, which means you're probably going to get murdered in the first round against, you know, the Suns or Warriors or Grizzlies. I just, I don't know why you take a young team, make it older, more expensive, give up a couple assets. I, I, I absolutely hate when teams just, this reminds me of something the Bucks would have done in the nineties or yeah. early two thousands. And you're just, I don't see the point of it. It's not putting you over the top. You now yeah. you have three now you have three guys that really can't play defense. Correct. You know who you, you're going to score a bunch, but who are you going to stop in the playoffs? Right. I don't know. I just I hate when teams do this. So I I sort of feel I I wish we uh, disagreed on one of these trades and maybe it'll be the next one or whatever. But I agree with you. Um, I love, I actually like CJ McCollum. I don't think he's like a great player. I think he's a really good player. He could be a really good scoring option, like a second scoring option on a really good team, uh, depending on who else you have around him, obviously. But um, the reason why I felt it didn't work with Dame was it, they were just both six, two and shorter. And it's hard to win with guards like that because you, you got to have one to, um, to, to be a defensive player and neither Dame nor Lillard could, even if they wanted to, because they're short, right? You like, you could play defense, but when you're guarding six, seven guys, they're just going to shoot over you or whatever. Um, so I understand why the Blazers, I, I feel like this prop for the Blazers, uh, we'll talk about them in a second. I, I think this move was like two years too late. Like I felt like they've should have been re restarting when CJ's value was higher for the Pelicans. You know, I, I still don't know why they got off Alonzo. He was kind of like a good fit with who they had, but I agree with you on the defense thing. 
Ingram is sort of your, I'm, I'm like an offense only player. I get buckets and that's what CJ is, right? He's the same thing. So to me, it's like a mini me type situation. Like I have two of the same player on the same team, but one's just taller. Right. Um, I, I like that they did get Larry Nance. I like Larry Nance as a role player, but the, you're, you're absolutely right in the point of like, this, this reeks of desperation to me. It's like, you got your star young player in Zion who has zero motivation to be in shape and you want to prove to him that you want to win. So you make a trade like this, which is not on the same timetable that you're on. So I agree. agree. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Larry Nance, he made it from when I first saw without Larry Nance, I, I was like utterly disgusted. Larry Nance, assuming he can stay healthy, which he hasn't for a few years now um, helps. But even so, as you brought up McCollum and Brandon Ingram, they basically shoot from the same spots on the floor, right? They need the ball. You know, none of those guys, Zion included, want to go stand in the corner. Correct. Um, And your best lineup has to be Zion at the five. And he's shown absolutely no ability as a help defender. He's decent one-on-one because he's a bigger guy. So they're not going to take him in the post that much, but your help defense. So you're going to have a center who can't help with two guys on, on the perimeter that can't stop anyone. It just, again, it, I could see a trade like this for the 76ers. Uh, a few other teams that are like, they have a legit shot at coming out of their conference, but the Pelicans aren't going to be the, a top four seed next year in the West, assuming relative health of most of the guys. So you just, I know they're trying to keep Zion. They're trying to keep him happy, but I just, I just think you're, you're punting. Same thing they did with um, Anthony Davis. You're trying to go all in way too soon. Correct. And it's just going to backfire if Zion signs the extension. And then a year later is like, I'm out of here. Get me out. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree a hundred percent, you know, like it's, and they, they had, they made a huge mistake. I think letting Lonzo go because again, I just, he's a good defender. You see how his shot has improved. Like he's nearly like a 40% three point shooter. Um, he was perfect in that situation. And you, you, you replaced him basically with, with CJ McCollum, which I just feel again, it, I just don't like the fit that much. That's really what it comes down to. And I agree on the timetable thing. Let me ask you this, because you said something in your text message. I don't want to be the one to say it, but I want to set you up cr- pr- properly do you think that these moves are worth it to make Zion happy? And I just set you up. Go ahead. Absolutely not. I would have traded Zion yesterday. Mm. I, I just, he's out of shape. Sounds like he's in a little better shape. Maybe he's 285 and not 300, but he, I don't think he wants to be there regardless. You, you're trying to make a guy happy that doesn't want to be there. He kind of ghosts the franchise He's been in Portland for what, three months and there's no update. There's like no pictures of him on the internet. No one even knows where he is in Portland. He doesn't play D he's healthy. What guy that's 280 pounds. That's what six, eight that jumps like he does. I don't think his knees are going to last. He's got a foot problem now. I just, I think some team like the Knicks would pay you stupid assets to get him. And I would, I would have just, kept Lonzo ball, like you said, and secretly found someone to take Zion 
collect my three first round picks, RJ Barrett, whatever they were going to give you. Some team would give you something stupid. The Kings probably would have gave you 10% ownership of the franchise and everything to get Zion. Like, sure. I just, I don't think he's one of those guys that you're going to depend on for the next 10 years. That's going to want to be in new Orleans that doesn't want to go to New York or LA or Chicago, or just a big market team. Eventually. I think you're wasting your time for nothing. Yeah. I sort of like, so I'm, it's interesting because I'm really fascinated at what Zion could be if he would stay healthy and get into shape, but all signs point to that. He's not very motivated. Now, could it be his situation? Like you said, maybe he doesn't want to be in new Orleans. Would he have more motivation to work out and be in shape? Um, like 260, let's say if he was in New York, maybe, but he definitely doesn't have that desire. It seems like in new Orleans. Yeah. So I don't think he's going to be a terrible player. Like, I don't want to sound like I think Zion is like, uh, just a, a total bust, but I, I don't think the Pelicans are going to get the best of him based mm-hmm. on his mental situation of not wanting to be there. I don't think he particularly cares with um, David Griffin with the franchise. So I just think as a small market team, like the Pelicans, you're going to end up doing all these trades and they'll probably make another one. Cause they still have all those bucks and Lakers picks going out. There's probably going to make another trade. And what if Zion says, I'm just going to play on the uh, qualifying offer next year, which he probably won't because he's, he's injury prone. He's going to take that 150 million or whatever, but you're just going to do it for a year or two. And I think no matter what they do, they are not going to be good enough that he's going to want to stay more than the next, next year. And maybe the year after. Yeah, I agree. I wonder like, would, would Zion be brave enough to be like, Hey, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm going to take the qualifying next year, but I'm not playing next year. Like, because I promise you the year after the New York Knicks would be a team that would still offer him max money to get him. So I'm with you. I, I wouldn't like mind seeing the Pelicans like, okay, let's just do a, a little bit of a reset here. Let's go let, offer him to the Knicks and see how much assets we could get for, for Zion, you know, or the Miami heat, because like the heap up heat, heat might be willing to take that risk because they whip all their players into shape, you know? So yeah, I wonder, I wonder if that will, if it will ever, co- or, you know, if it will come down to that, it'll be very interesting to watch. Yeah. And I, I get that they're, they're nervous. You don't want to look stupid. The person that traded Zion and then he stays healthy for the next six years and looks amazing. But, you know, I know he, get, when he plays, he gets all these comparisons to Giannis and all these other guys. I just, I don't think, I don't think he's going to last. And I don't think he, he's going to do it in new Orleans. I just, I don't see him playing eight years in new Orleans without eventually getting out of there unless a miracle happens and they compete, but I don't see their path to competing in the West the next two or three years. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think that like, hopefully, you know, obviously there's revisionist history and we all like the prisoner of the moment type stuff. So like, if he did get traded, it, it's good for us as like sports fans, just to remember how he was in new Orleans and why new Orleans would have the motivation to trade him, Even if he becomes somebody great, it's like, 
yeah, he's great now, but he was never going to become that with us. So, you know, but anyway, um, let's look at it from the uh, Blazers side. What do you think about their trade? Uh, getting rid of McCollum and the assets they were able to receive. Yeah. I mean, minus before when I brought out their poor asset management from what they traded to get these guys before and giving it up. Uh, it seems like they have a plan. So Josh Hart, I actually really like Josh Hart as a player. I do too. Um, yeah, you know, so I don't think he's a, he's a, he's a less a downgrade as a playmaker from a column, but as far as a spot up shooter, he doesn't need the ball probably fits much better next to Dame. He actually plays some defense. Yes. Um, Nikhil Alexander Walker, you're just, you're taking a fly there, but you know, he, he's shown some stuff, right? Like he shows some potential. He's a guy that you would, you know, especially for the rest of this year, Dame's not going to come back. I think they're, they're totally going to tank this year out and Dame, I think he's fine with that. I, I think I was reading something that he would, he would do whatever to help their pick to go to next year. So I think they have a plan. They're going to trot these guys out there. They're going to have, some cap space. They can, Josh Hart is not guaranteed next year. If they, if they want them, they could trade them for something else. I think they, they could still trade them before tomorrow if they really don't want it for next year, but to open up some space, give yourself some options for whoever they're going to try to get after. They have a couple of extra picks. Now they got their own picks. Um, if you're going to tank to the bottom and try to do a quick rebuild with Dame, I think it's a good start. Yeah, my only worry about that strategy is it too late for Dame because he is older. I think he's like somewhere between 30 and 32, right? He's somewhere yeah, in there. I think he's I think he's 30, 32. He's on the older yeah. side because he went four years in college. Yeah, and you know, he's now got that abdomen injury, but he didn't look good before the injury this season. I think he was shooting like 19% from three. Like he was having a rough go at it and maybe it was a situation. Maybe he looked at his roster and it's like the same old thing over and over again, you know, so maybe this will liven them up. So they did gain a $21 million trade exception. And then in the off season, they'll have somewhere between uh, a $60 million in free cap money is what I understand. Yeah, they can, cause they can cut blood. So that saves them about 15 they get to the 60, they have to get rid of Bledsoe and Hart. Um, but, you know, and Simons is a free agent. He's restricted. I think he's restricted. Maybe not. But either way, if they're going to keep him, that's going to eat into it. But um, they probably have bird rights on him so they can give him a big deal, but make any trades or sign players before signing him to go over the cap. But I, I think the Blazers are hoping that Simmons doesn't go for Harden because I think they can – if if Harden doesn't get traded and he wants to go to Philadelphia over the summer and they need to dump um, Simmons and even Tobias Harris, I think the Clippers, I mean, the Blazers can make it happen. Yeah. There, there was a report today after they made this trade that they're actually still interested in obtaining Jeremy Grant, which we'll talk about. Um, and if they got like Ben Simmons and Jeremy Grant, and they can get him with that trade exception, Jeremy Grant, because he's under that trade exception. Um, that would be an, I would love that team around Dame. That would be like, we have three defenders surrounding you. They all can shoot except Simmons, but you know, we'll talk more about Simmons in a little bit, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. It's, so it's going to be fascinating to see what they do. I'm just a little worried. It's, little too late at this but we'll see we'll see 
I would agree. They should have done something a couple of years ago. Cause I mean, they made what the Western conference finals by fluke a couple of years ago, but again, to the Pelicans point of getting CJ McCollum, CJ McCollum had Damian Lillard and a fairly competent team around him. And they never got out of the second round except once. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Okay. So winner of this trade. I think just based on potential, it's the Blazers. I am with you there. I just, yeah, I'm with you. I don't have anything else to add. Okay. You ready to go? Let's go on to our next trade then. Okay. So this was like the surprise trade to me of the day. Um, We kind of knew that Sabonis was on the trade market. We kind of knew that Buddy Heald was being talked about. What I did not know is that Hal Burton was at all available. And the fact that he didn't wind up on the Pistons really upsets me because I'm just like, what in the world? But anyway, so here's the trade. Sabonis, Holiday, Lamb, and a future second goes to the Kings. The Kings gave up to the Pacers, Halliburton, Heald, and Thompson. So let's look at it from the Kings, They what they obtained. So, Clint, what's your... What's your take on this move? Um, same as the Pelicans. This is asinine to me. I, I have no idea. I, I don't know how this improves the Kings going from a young guy on a rookie deal who's put up amazing numbers analytically. He fits exactly what you want in the modern NBA. Yes, his defense is a little suspect, but I think he's – the perfect player to build around with Fox. They probably should have traded Fox instead, but you get Sabonis good player. I think he's highly overrated because he couldn't stop you from going to the hoop for a layup, <laughs> but you know, you, he, they, the Pacers moved him because he needs to play five. He can't play four. Correct. The Kings already have Rashawn Holmes who they just paid not a ton. He's got, well, I think 30 something, 33 million over the next three years left. So you just made your guy you wanted to keep. You made a point of keeping. You didn't trade to the Hornets in the offseason because you wanted Rashawn Holmes. He's irrelevant to bring in Halliburton. I mean, to bring in uh, Sabonis. I don't see how they got better at all. I mean, Holiday and Lamb, solid players. They, they don't really move the needle for you as a lottery team you know, for a a contending team, those are two good players. You can bring off the bench for five or 10 minutes and they can put some baskets in. But again, I don't know why teams, I mean, the Kings do this all the time, uh, but I have no idea why you would make a move like this now. Yeah. So Sabonis is what, 25? Yeah. He's not that old, but he's locked into his deal. And, you know, I don't think there's much to his game. You're going to change at this point. You know, he's not going to, uh, he's not going to turn into a defensive stalwart. <laughs> no, no. I think like with any team, like in the NBA to think that everybody on your starting five is going to be good at defense or every one of them is going to be good on offense. It's almost hard. Like you got to kind of pick and choose. Um, I think you'll always have those guys on your team. That'll just be like offensive players. 
and and some that will just be sort of three and D guys, you know, and that's all they'll be. But so it's like if you have one of those guys on your team on each side of the ball, like maybe one person out of the four that ain't really good at defense and one person that isn't the best on offense, you're okay. Like, but when you start getting like where nobody can play defense, then that that's a problem, right? With which is part of the reason with the Pelicans. Um, I have a I don't know if I've told you this, but I, I do an entertainment podcast as well. So I do like, like movie reviews and stuff. And like, one thing I like to say is when I don't like a, a TV show or movie and I'll be like, listen, I understand where they were going with this. Uh, I understand the concept. The execution was very poor. Okay. And that's what this trade sort of reminds me of for the Kings. The Kings had a loaded guard spot, right? With Halbert and heel Fox and uh, Davion Mitchell. And they're like, hey, why don't we get a, an, a big, right, that we can play it, um, on this team that, that's good because they don't trust Marvin Bagley. Like, they don't like Marvin Bagley, right? Um, but the problem was they traded the wrong guard. That's the problem. Now, whether it's Fox or Davion Mitchell, you pick, but I would have, like, in the order, like, I was thinking, like, if I was doing a 2K rebuild, right, with the Kings, what is the order you would trade those guards? You would start with Fox because he's the most expensive, right? Then you would go down to Heald and they got him in there. And then you would go down to Davion Mitchell before I, I would ch- trade Halliburton, right? So I don't know what in the world the Kings were thinking in trading Halliburton out of all those guys, right? And maybe that's what the Pacers asked team price was, but then it's a no deal at that point to me. Like, why are you doing it? Yeah. And I, your point on defense is I like it, you know, but I just think one of the most important things, especially for a guy that you're making a cornerstone in Sabonis, your center has got to be able to do something on defense. And, you know, Fox is a fairly good defender. Mitchell is a good defender. So that helps, you know, if they can play some man, but you know, when you have a, a turnstile, you know, as your center, that's probably <laughs> sure. the most, you know, the most important you know, guy that you want to at least have something defensively. So, especially in the West, but yeah, I would agree. You know, you probably had the perfect order that I would Halberton would be the last guy. And if that's who the Pacers, you know, wanted only, it's got to be Halberton. Then we'll talk to you in the summer about something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Okay. What about for the Pacers? How do you feel about this trade for the Pacers? I, I like it. As you can tell, I'm not a huge Sabonis guy. <laughs> um, I know a lot of Bucks fans were the Bucks didn't draft him um, in that draft, or he went right before the Bucks moved down. One of those, the Bucks could have had him. Gotcha. I get that he's a fantastic offensive player. It just it doesn't work with him and Turner. He can't play the four. Turner can't play the four. They're just they're both too slow. So if you can get Halliburton healed, take or leave, keep him, trade him in the summer, whatever. But put, now you can have Turner at the five where he's good. Mm-hmm. He's a defensive, top five defensive center. It makes perfect sense. You, you, get, you, get, you save a lot of money too. So the Pacers, I, I get what the Pacers are doing. You know, this year didn't work out. Um, you can get a better pick. Hal Burton, without everyone playing, I don't think Turner is going to come back for a few more weeks. So you improve your own pick. You pick up Hal Burton. He's cheap. Healed. Now they have a lot of guards with Duarte, Healed, Brogdon, but I think they're going to move two of those guys in the summer 
Um, but I, I love it for the Pacers. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. Now they kind of have the problems, the problem the Kings did. Uh, I don't think it's going to be hard for them to, I think, move off Brogdon because of, you know, his injuries and he hit him under. I don't, I don't know. I think it, I think they could move heel still if they wanted to before the deadline, even if they wanted to, because I'm sure some team wants shooting and that's what he provides. And if the Pacers are truly tanking, they don't have any reason to hold on to heel. He's 28, right? 29. So like, I don't, I don't think they'll hold on to him. Um, Man, if that was like Davion Mitchell or Fox on that, I wouldn't like it for either team. The fact that it's Halliburton, I give the edge to the the Pacers here. But at, when I first saw this trade, I'm like, what? What is this? This is unexciting. It it adds zero for me, zero for me. You know. So, but you know, the more I thought of it, I'm like, well, if the Pacers are rebuilding, and that's what they're assigned to do, you know, having a a piece like Halliburton helps out. So I'm I'm giving the win um to to the pacers here as well so um and i would I, agree I, I would assume you are as well so yeah plus in their other trade i believe they got rubio i know mm-hmm. he's out for he's out for the year but rubio i think did he go to the suns that year it was down to the suns or the pacers and then rubio's been traded around a couple of times but i think they might be able to resign him if they really want him for cheap and move off a couple of their guards and have you know, their, their old man <laughs> veteran guard to kind of mentor. Um, so I think what the Pacers are doing is smart. They're, they're doing their, their usual kind of rebuild. They don't want to tank to the bottom um, for their fan base, but, you know, locking in Halliburton, I, I think it's a slam dunk for them. Yeah. Do you think that they could have, um, do you think that the Pacers can move off Brogdon? I'm not a Brogdon fan. I feel like Bucks fans rejoice. Um, I, the Bucks should have re-signed him only to trade him because right. you need that salary slot. The Bucks lost that salary slot and they still, they won a title. So on goes uh, that. But I was looking the other day, the Bucks have won 135 games since Brogdon left and Brogdon has played 138 games in those seasons. So I think there's teams that value him for some reason but I don't think at $22 million a year, I, I wouldn't touch him, but I don't know. I think there's a couple teams <laughs> that might be desperate, but I think even if you can't get off of him, I think you can get off of healed. Oh, um, for sure. I agree with that. Yeah. So, you know, he has enough value or someone would, you know, eat that salary or you could even send him to the thunder with a second round pick or something. If you, if you really need to clear the salary or something, but. I don't know. I'm not, I've never been a huge Brogdon fan as a starter. Okay. Um, gotcha. But I, you know, from other pods I listen to and a few things I read, there seems to be enough teams that like him that I think they could move. They can't move him to the summer, but I think that he could end up somewhere. Okay. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think that's that, that, that could happen. I just like, I don't know. I'm with you on it's, all it takes is one team, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, uh, the other thing I was going to ask you, so I sent you a text earlier um, after this. Like, so what we're, we're going to do in a little bit, we're going to do some fake trades. And one fake trade I had was Sabonis going to the Warriors for um, Moody, Kaminga, and Wiseman. Now, I don't think, I don't know if necessarily they'd have to give up all three, but something like that, their salaries match. 
Sabonis's. So that trade would have worked. And I'm thinking like Indiana would get like three, you know, and, and they could reset. Um, I guess, what would you have thought of that trade? Do you think that's a trade that, um, that would have benefited both sides? Would you like Sabonis more on the Warriors if they could have kept Draymond? Yeah, I, I think that's the team that if they, if they needed it, where Sabonis fits because yeah. you have three or four other guys you can put around that play defense. They could hide them. The Warriors have a, um, a tight system where they run things and you have Draymond there to switch around to play center. Um, so I think a trade, like, I don't know if you, like you said, I don't think you'd have to give up all three. Um, and I think the Pacers, as much as they uh, are rebuilding, I don't think they want to do the, let's take three totally unproven, guys, sure, two or three fair. totally unproven guys. Cause I think that, you know, their owner just has an adverse reaction to being the trust the process Sixers, but yeah, Halbert, not Halbert. I keep saying that. Sabonis on a team like the Warriors, um, or what do you think about like there was one the Suns might have looked at him for a sign and trade with Aiden. Mm. I, I would have liked. Obviously, I probably would have liked him on the Warriors better, but that would have made sense for you know you still have the Turner piece on the Pacers, but they were looking to trade him anyway. So yeah, that could have worked. Yeah, I think they would trade Turner if they were. <laughs> if they yeah, yeah, Aiden, for but. sure, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I think teams like that, that's who should get a player like Sabonis. Uh, I don't think Sabonis would particularly like it because I, I think he would have the role that he uh, he might envision. Um, but that's what those teams should do. Not teams like the Kings or the Pelicans where uh, you're, he's going to put up numbers with the Kings and everyone's going to be like, well, he's averaging 25 a game. Like, well, we're giving up 130 a game. So congratulations. No, I agree with the fact that he needs defenders around him. There's no doubt about that. Okay. Uh, anything else with this trade? You ready to move on? I think we're good. Okay. Well, let's get into some Milwaukee Buck Bucks talk just a little bit um, because uh, we are in Wisconsin. You are a Bucks fan. Uh, so give me your take on the Bucks this season, what you're thinking as far as their performance up to this point. Um, all I think of is championship equity. <laughs> if you know me well, for years, I was the hashtag fire kid, had the avatar, couldn't stand Jason kid uh, until halfway through last year, hashtag fire bud. Uh, so I would have like big up and downs. Just <laughs> This is awesome. This is terrible. This year, even though they've been extremely up and down, not worried at all. Assuming Brooke Lopez, there was an update today that, I mean, he's been doing, if you watch the Bucks video, he's been doing some shooting. You can see him on the practice court doing some individual work. So uh, assuming he can play at all, um, if you have to play the Sixers or someone like that, uh, minus the heat. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've never been so chill at a regular season when they blow a game and I'm like, eh, well, we'll wait to the playoffs. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with you, though, is like they have that kind of like I think every championship team comes into the season like the next season. It's just like it's a grind. We just got to get through the season and then we'll show up in the playoffs. And I think as the NBA has progressed over the years, especially the last five years, I feel like more and more teams are not taking the regular season that seriously. Let's just, you know, and to me, I think you have the best like trio 
right now because of every like I mean, you could make a case for the Brooklyn Nets, but like they're so chaotic right now. It's hard to trust that. So to me, like right now, you guys got the best trio in the East. So, yeah, I'm with you. I wouldn't I wouldn't panic at all and let everybody gets healthy. So and I think they're they're taking it easy to a degree, too, because so are the other teams in the East. You know, I think yeah, there was a stretch about six weeks ago where they fell three or four games behind the top two seeds and they ran off like seven, six or seven wins in a row and got back in it and then kind of um, played it cool. But I think when I was a stat that I found that totally shows how they're approaching the regular season and the, through the first 30 games of this year, they've played more zone defense than the first three bud years combined. Mm. Like, and I think maybe the last two games, they switched it up after getting run out of a Pfizer forum by the nuggets. Um, they went back to the switching drew holiday was much more aggressive. So I think they're going to, to the all-star break. I think they're going to uh, um, put the pedal down, run off some wins um, just to stay within a game or two of the first or second seed. Cause I don't think they want to be four or five and have to go like last year. They made it tougher on themselves, but it worked out. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right, though. I think they'll turn it on. I think they'll be fine. And they'll probably they'll most definitely be in the Eastern Conference finals. And uh, I really don't see I mean, as great as Joel Embiid's playing, I don't think he can do it all on his own. Uh, I don't like when's the last time we watched a player win the finals all on his own, you know, so yeah, the, the Sixers don't. They would need Brooke Lopez or a center, they need to pick someone up against Embiid because Bobby Portis isn't, isn't stopping Joel Embiid. And you don't want Giannis to have to cover Embiid for 30 minutes a game. Um, but I don't think uh, the Sixers could score enough outside of Embiid. I think they would take the same approach they took with Kevin Durant and be like, if Embiid wants to dribble the ball and do all that hard work offensively and score 40 points a night, be my guest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think he'll just tire out over a seven game series of having to carry the load, be in the low post, get back on defense. Um, if the shots don't come, the bucks run the Sixers. Uh, and you know, he's in better shape this year, but you know, he's not going to run up and down the floor in a track meet for seven games. So the Sixers would give him a challenge, but the only team I would worry about is the heat. <laughs> Cause I think <laughs> okay. that would be, I think that would be an ugly ugly series as far as low scoring um and i would hate to see pj tucker beat the bucks since the bucks cheaped out on them but they're yeah. the team i always i always hate to play the heat because eric spoles for such a good coach he is he is and then bam bam's one of the few players that i feel like can give Giannis fits you know what i'm saying like and no nobody it's the same with durant you're never going to stop these guys but like can you make them work and bam can make uh, Giannis work on defense. So, um, is there anything you want to see them do as the whether it's trade deadline or, or buyout? I think they need to trade Dante. Like I know he's their young one young guy. I'm he's a fan favorite. I get what they like him. I just think his lack of shooting, which he's really streaky, and I I never thought the day would come where I was like, hey, let's play Pat Connaughton over Dante. Uh, but I just, Pat Connaughton has turned into the last two years, such a good shooter. He's good enough on defense. I mean, the Suns tried to hunt him the whole series and 
to limited success, but they're just, they do the same thing to Dante. He's even smaller. I think they have too many guys at that position to get a flow. Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, Dante, they all basically play the same position. It's hard to play 10 minutes and get a flow. Um, and when one of them's been out against the Clippers, Connaughton got to start, he hit six or seven threes. They find mm. a flow. So I think he's the odd guy out just because he's probably the only guy that has some value. Yeah. I like Grayson Allen too. Like when he's not suspended, that is. So um, he, he's got a good, you know, and he's, he's a good defender. Uh, so I think DiVincenzo is your, is there anyone you want to see them grab for DiVincenzo? Is there a certain target? I was seeing today, they were trying to get the, the Celtics wanted Dante for Dennis Schroeder, mm-hmm. hard pass. Hard but pass, the Bucks yeah. asked for Grant Grant Williams with Schroeder. I do that. I think Grant Williams is um, the closest thing you could get to a PJ Tucker re- replacement. Basically the same size, and he's been killer from the corners this year. So, but I don't I don't think the Celtics are gonna um, give him up. And the only other guy that I've seen tied to Dante is like PJ Washington from the yeah. uh, Hornets. Not quite the defender, but he can play center, switchable guy, good three-point shooter. Um, otherwise, I think I'm I'm hoping I saw that Thad Young, if he doesn't get traded, would get bought out. I've wanted him all year. Just, just I think he's a, another perfect guy. Nothing fancy, uh, not awesome, but I mean, neither PJ Tucker is not awesome either. He just stands in the corner and. Like you said, Kevin Durant put 38 a game on, <laughs> on right. PJ Tucker, but you know, he just, you made it hard on him. So I think he's probably the closest thing to that. So those would probably be the three guys, unless you're going to get a center, but I don't, I think they're just going to 10 day Greg Monroe one more time and hope that Lopez is close. Yeah. So, so there was uh, one, one I heard is maybe a buyout could be Robin Lopez. Yeah. I wouldn't mind him either for the regular season. I, I mean, when they had him in 2019, he basically didn't play in the playoffs. Like he's, he's a big guy, but he's surprisingly terrible at post defense. Like Joel and B just choose him up. Um, but to eat minutes from now until the playoffs, you know, I would not object to that. Yeah. It's almost like who doesn't Joel and B chew up though. Like that's, that's a problem is, is at least you have a body put in front of him, I guess that's seven foot. If, yeah, but if I mean, he I, has to play like ten, eight minutes, we all with him beat or whatever. That's what I'm saying. He's not going to be out there for very long. Yeah. The, um, the Bucks with, with, with Brooke Lopez, it helps because he can actually shoot, <laughs> you know, so whoever covers him has to leave the basket and Embiid would probably stay on Giannis, but um, I mean, Giannis has scored plenty against the Sixers. I know his stats aren't, his shooting percentages aren't great against the Sixers with Embiid on him, but I wouldn't worry about, I don't think they want Embiid chasing Giannis for seven games either. So. Right. And, and Simmons, I mean, like he's not out there and he's, he was also like a defensive presence on the court for like health defense and such. So you're not going to have that now with the Sixers, you know, um, I think they're one, I think they they lost to the, the Suns tonight and Devin Booker had like 35 or 38, something like that. I just, they're just one guy short without Simmons out there and, They'll stop a couple guys, but they're just, you know, Seth Curry can't guard anyone. So 
Holiday, right. Middleton, someone would get free against the Sixers, but I, I think agree. they just, they need to upgrade from semi Ojale and Rodney Hood and any one of those guys I would gladly take for the stretch run. Yeah. So another, another article I read that mentioned that they could also be interested in Mo Bamba as a center. And then, um, so I did a, a trade here. I was going to have pop up at this moment, but I don't have it on the thing, but all it would take now. I don't, obviously they'd have to add, add like picks to it as well. And maybe a different player, but DiVincenzo and Jordan, uh, Norwa, Wara, Wara, and that would be enough to get Mobamba, um, because the the really the Magic have to decide right now what they want to do with Mobamba. So it could be they could be interested in dealing him, uh, is what the, was reported. So how would you feel about having Mobamba on that team? I would do. I would take that flyer. I think mm-hmm. he's again he's a good three point shooter. Um, not very useful against Joel Embiid, but he did put up 32 on, on Embiid too because he can shoot. I think he's the perfect, not perfect. He's a good replica if, if you're going to try to train someone to replace Brooke Lopez because Lopez has one year after this year left and he's getting old. And once you have back surgery um, in your mid-30s, that's seven foot two. I don't know that you have a long, long career left probably. So I, I would... I would take that, take a risk on that. Just another huge guy that, especially in the regular season, can block some shots, hit some threes. Um, the Bucks have a good system. I mean, the Bucks even got Bobby Porters to play some form of defense now. So I think they could whip him into something and maybe not have to pay him a ton, um, you know, to re-sign him and you could move on from Brooke Lopez. So I, I would do that. I don't know how many picks they want. Maybe they could call in a, a favor to uh, that he used to be the GM of the Bucks. Now I can't think of his name. John Hammond. They could call in a John Hammond favor, <laughs> send us some uh, Mo Bamba. But yeah, that would be intriguing. Yeah, you know, I think you'd have to do like three seconds, but or get a third team involved one or the other, you know, to make it more worth Orlando's. But uh, I, I would actually love it. So Mobaba's averaging like two blocks a game. He's, he's a defensive presence. And I think when I checked it, he, this season, his three point percentage is higher than Brooke Lopez's was last year. So, um, and, and obviously he doesn't have probably as many open shots as Brooke Lopez does considering the amount of attention that Giannis and Middleton take up. So um, yeah, it would be an interesting trade. I don't know if it's going to happen, but at one of the article I read, it's it, they said because Orlando's looking this to be like a make or break decision for them. Like they could take, he may give up Mobamba for cheap. So might be something to look for forward yeah, to. That would, that would probably be as far as your, uh, try to play for now in the future, probably your best, uh, best trade as the bucks. Cause now you're, you're adding someone who uh, you could, who's young to yeah. replace the guy who's, who's getting up there. Um, but I don't, you know, I, like you said, I don't think, I don't think they would take that trade now, maybe come draft time. Like if they get a top two pick and Chet Holmgren's out there that they can, you know, that they're going to get 
all right, maybe they'll try to sign and trade him or something, but sure. uh, who knows? Maybe the magic will yeah. uh, pin their hopes on a top two. <laughs> the lottery ball's falling right for them and uh, take a little less for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Um, anything else with the Bucks? Nope. I just, I would like to be a back to back. That'd be great. Just, uh, you know, since you're a Pistons fan and it's been um, an extended period of not great, going to the NBA Finals is insane. Yeah. Just, uh, I've, I'm a season ticket holder through this year. I didn't renew for next year because they up prices like 56% on me for the same seats. But um, it was insane. You know, when you're a fan for that long and then just sitting there at game three, like I never thought I'd be at an NBA finals game. Um, and, you know, they, they, I told my brother, he, he thanked me. He called into a radio show uh, in Milwaukee to, to thank me. So I had four seats for the play after the Miami series. Oh, that's cool. Um, so, you know, I took each of my kids to a different game. I sold three seats for $900 each. Um, <laughs> nice. I didn't have a couple of people to go, but for my game seven or game six, sorry. Um, I could have sold my four tickets for just shy of $11,000. And my brother and my friend are like, you sure you don't want to sell them? And I'm like, when are you ever going to be at a game where the trophy could possibly go up? You know, we've been fans our whole life. So it was awesome to be there for it. That's awesome. Yeah. So hopefully one day for the Pistons in like 10 years when Giannis is old and retired. Yeah, yeah. I like Cade. Cade looks good. He's looking good now, um, rounding into shape. But he needs help. He can't do it with that team, that's for sure. Okay, let's let's uh let's go on to our last part of our podcast. We're gonna talk about some fake trades. So we have some um names up here that we'll briefly discuss in a couple teams. Uh, so let's start with Jeremy Grant. So let me ask you this. Do you think that Jeremy Grant is going to be moved before the down deadline? From what I looked at, like before our podcast, no, mm-hmm. I think the Pistons rightfully are just, they're, they're holding out for two first round picks. And I don't think a team is going to give it up. And from what I was looking at, a few teams were worried that he wants the ball a lot. Still, he doesn't want to go back to the the Utah, not the Denver days where he kind of just sat and was not a bit player. He was an important player, but didn't get to run some offense. I think as of right now, a few teams are scared off by that, but I think he's a, he fits in with a lot of teams. I don't know if he wants to go back to fitting in with a team playing a role um, I don't know if he's there yet. Yeah. So I would, I would, I would agree. Like, as far as like some teams being nervous about that, what I would say is now that teams know what he, what he can do. I would, I would feel a little, it would be a little silly of them to trade for him and be like, yeah, now go sit in the corner on offense, you know, um, with, when you think of a, a team, I, I think of like the Cleveland Cavaliers back when LeBron love and and Kyrie all got theirs right like they were all okay I mean love wasn't as good as he was in Minnesota because he was asked to change his entire game and and da, da, da. but he still I think he averaged right 20 points so yeah. it's like you still can get your points you're still going to get a you know 
there's enough ball to go around for that. So it just really depends on the team he goes to, but I, I can understand maybe a little of his fear or team's fear of that as well. Um, if he is traded, what, 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 um, what team would you think uh, he'd be a good fit on right now uh, that you'd like to see him traded to? A, a team I think he would be awesome on, but I don't think he would be happy with would be the Hawks. Mm. I, I think Trey Young, he, he takes the ball too much. A lot of those other guys don't get to do much. And when he does, it's Bogdanovich who gets to do it. But I think he would be, that would team would be deadly with him. You know, his defense, his shooting, uh, along with Hunter, um, you know, to kind of cover up for Trey Young. But I, I don't think he would be happy there in the long run because I think in that role, he would really go back to a stand in the corner, um, your fourth or fifth down the line between John Collins and all those guys. So that would be a really good team, though. Uh, his, his, I think his best bet would probably be something like the Jazz now mm-hmm. with um, Ingles out. Uh, but I don't know if the Jazz are going to give up two picks with Ingles out. It seems like some of their team is kind of falling apart, their chemistry and that. But yeah, in that ilk. Yeah. So for like the Jazz, for instance, I don't, I, I don't like as a Piston fan, I don't see anything I want. Like Ingles, I, like I get like that the Pistons want picks, but I'm also like, I would almost rather have prospects maybe a, a prospect and a pick, Do you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like instead of two random first round picks where you just don't know who they're going to be and what they're going to be, you know, um, yeah, I do I think, think the jazz picks would have to be out a couple of years, which makes them more valuable. I mean, that team might right. fall apart in a couple, but then you're, you're kicking the can, which if Cade Cunningham comes along, it would be awesome to build the team. And then in two or three years, you got a top 10 pick maybe um, when the jazz fall apart, but, Right. You're kind of delaying the turning in the Oklahoma City Thunder. (laughs) And now you're just Cade's going to lose for three or four years and circle back to all these other players. Is he going to want to stay in three or four years when you can't win more than 25 games for your fourth straight year? Yeah, no, exactly. No, I agree. And and that's the thing is like I, I do agree with like what we were talking about before, like don't don't rush a rebuild. But don't also put it off because if 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 you have like potential star players on your team, you still have to surround them with talent that they like. So it's interesting you mentioned the Atlanta Hawks because before Cam Reddish was traded, I was like the Hawks should trade for Jeremy Grant and give Cam Reddish and another prospect and a pick, you know, and that should be enough. Um, but uh, they didn't do that. Instead, the uh, the Knicks got him and they won't even play him. I guess he only played four out of the eight games, which I don't know what the Knicks are doing. Um, but so speaking of the, that was one team I thought that might be a good trade for Jeremy Grant is the Knicks because they're falling apart. Right. They, and they sign these people who uh, aren't fitting their, their team well, like Kemba Walker, Fournier, Alex Burke, they signed them all the deals. And so I would assume they might want to get off some of that salary. Um, they don't play Obi Topping. They don't play Cam Reddish that much. And I'm just like, well, why wouldn't they just be like, hey, Jeremy Grant, he's 26. He's got two more years on his deal. 
that could be an interesting trade target because he would definitely be, if not the first, at least the second option, maybe behind Randall as far as a scorer. So what do you think of, of that type of trade? So the trade that I actually had was Burks, Walker, and Toppin, and then maybe some picks, a pick maybe uh, for Jeremy Grant. I agree the Knicks should do it. I think the Knicks' biggest problem is um, their coach. What's yeah. his name? Tom Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Yeah. He was great last year. He He's perfect for taking a veteran team, piecing it together for a year or two. They got exposed in the playoffs. And like you say, you trade, you give up a first round pick, it's protected, but for Cam Reddish and he doesn't want to play him. And there's been reports that the front office is kind of upset that he's not playing Cam Reddish. So now they're going to try to dump these guys to make them play Cam Reddish when the, the Knicks are what you don't want the Pistons to turn into where you're just trying to be, Hey, I want to be 500. I think he'd be good on the Knicks. I don't know that like Obi top and he has potential, um, I don't know that the Pistons would be overly excited about that. I think they want something maybe a little more premium and a pick or just if the Knicks were willing to give up, I'm sure if the Knicks were willing to give up a first round pick and a couple good seconds, I think they would do it because I think they would see the Knicks might have a short runway here before they have to do something drastic. Um, But he's a team that, a player the Knicks should go after yeah. or work to, but I think they're going to big game hunt and they're going to try to keep their books clean for um, Dame or even Ben Simmons or um, Zion. I think they're, they're, they're going to go big game hunting. I think what they're going to do instead of trying to piece it together. Well, yeah, that could, could be the case, but that's where I, I feel like Jeremy Grant could add to that because he's 20 million, right? So like if you're going to, and he's only two years. So if you get him, he can be added into a sign and trade for the Knicks. Or if you wait two years out, his contract's up. And it's his contract is up before like toppings and, and Burks is, for instance. I think you're giving the Knicks too much credit, though. Right. I, I agree. <laughs> I don't think they're gonna so, think I don't think they're looking around the corner that way. I think they're just they're they're trying to win now. I think they're gonna give up on I think their front office is gonna rightly um do something tomorrow or Thursday to force the hand to get camera. Cause you got to figure out what you have. Um, but I don't know if that maybe this summer is something they would do. I think this season, they're going to let it roll. You're, you're probably, no, you're probably right. I, I, I was just thinking as far as like for, I, for me as somebody like, like team builds on 2k, whatever, I just feel like it works out for both teams. I like the run running aspect of OB toppings along with uh Kate Cunningham because they're missing sort of that kind of guy that he can be paired with. In fact, that's what I'm hoping they kind of go after in the draft is a big, you know, a taller rim runner that can space the floor a little bit, but anyway. Yeah, I think you're right. I just think the, the Pistons would probably say no right now, knowing that they could get that, uh, over the summer. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, probably. That they'll know their draft pick and if they're high enough and they know they can get the guy they want to be that player, then they would just, you know, look for something else for Grant. Whereas right now, I mean, if you trade for top and then you end up with a top two pick, you know, then you might be looking to trade top and again, or, you know, you kind of bind yourself up. Whereas right now, I think they'll just, if they don't get what they want, 
the same teams will want Jeremy Grant in the summer when they strike out on whoever else they're trying to get. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. <clears throat> um, a couple others. I won't. We won't spend too much longer on Jeremy Grant, but um, Chicago Bulls. Obviously, there was some rumors that the Bulls were interested in Jeremy Grant. Now the 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 hurdle is um, that uh, you have Levine and you have DeRozan. So there's no way that those two guys are better with the ball than Grant is as good as Grant is with the ball, you know, can be with the ball. Um, But so I did make a trade because there was rumors that they might be interested. And the trade that I came up with as a Piston fan, you could tell me that I'm being a little bit of a homer here. Absolutely. But I was thinking like, what would I be happy with? I have Jones who, who just is for salary purpose. And then Pat Patrick Williams, who's out for the season and then a, a pick for Jeremy Grant. So it's not two first round picks, just a pick Patrick Williams to me, he counts as a first round pick. So I don't like it, you know? So anyway, so what did you think of that trade? If the, the bulls made that one or the Pistons, if I was the Pistons, that's a trade I would do. If I was the bulls, I, the bulls seem to be high on Patrick Williams. I just, I think teams do this with all their players. Harrison Barnes is another one on here. There's a lot of players around the league. If Patrick Williams could become Jeremy Grant in his career, the Bulls would be happy. Right. <laughs> or if he became a Harrison Barnes, but played a little better defense, that's what the Bulls would be hoping. Sure, you're taking on more salary because Patrick Williams is cheap for the Bulls right now, but if you're the Bulls and you think you can win it this year, this is probably their window right. before any of these other teams reload. So if, if you want to do it, not saying they should or shouldn't, if you can get Jeremy Grant for that, I wouldn't give up Patrick Williams for Harrison Barnes, but for Jeremy Grant and a pick, a protected pick, and you throw in the salary, I don't think it's a crazy trade. I, I'm sure the Bulls wouldn't do it. They seem to love Patrick Williams, but that's the kind of trade where you kind of, you just filled in a gap. He, he can small ball. He can put him on Giannis. Like the Bulls biggest problem is they have no one to cover Giannis. And that's going to be their, their shortfall. I think same. They had no one to cover and beat. They have no one to cover wings. Um, if I was the Bulls and I thought I could do it this year, I, I would do that deal. Yeah, see, I'm with you, and I, I felt like I was being a little homerish. But my thing is like, so if if Patrick Williams, you tell the Bulls, yeah, his career winds up like Jeremy Grant, you'd be like, awesome, that's great, right? Now you have an opportunity to get Jeremy Grant. The East right now, although I think me and you are both believers in the box, and they'll get it together, or whatever. Um, the East is wide open, other than the box, maybe, right? Like because Brooklyn's a mess. Uh, the 76ers outside of Embiid, you're not really scared of any of those players. And really, um, you're missing, like you mentioned, that piece to guard Kevin Durant, guard Giannis. And it's not like he's going to stop him, but nobody can, but he's going to make those guys work. So to me, this is a window to win a championship. And you still have young players like Levine. He's only like 25 Lonzo ball. You just picked up. So you still have young players to build around. So to me, I just feel like this trade again, like benefits both teams. And I would love to see Patrick Williams play with Kate Cunningham, to be honest too. So, and, you know, 
not everyone feels this way. I have a couple friends who don't, but I think the case is like with the Raptors, like with the Bucks last year, if you are good enough to compete, it just takes a rolled ankle, a foot on the line, and you can win a title. Right. right. The Raptors, the, the, the Raptors were good and got boat raced by LeBron for three or four years. Got Kawhi, you got your title. You're good for a decade. Right. The Bucks last year, same thing. They went all in with Holiday, overpaid, but banners fly forever. If you're the Bulls, you're obviously good enough. Playoffs, we'll see. You know, DeRozan has been shaky in the playoffs, but even so, you have Levine. Hopefully, Lonzo Ball's back. Caruso's back. You put someone like Jeremy Grant in there and Giannis rolls his ankle or turns his knee, but miraculously plays a few weeks, a week or two later. But right. if Giannis is out, they're not beating the Bulls, right? The, the Bulls would have too much with Jeremy Grant. Right. I just think, and that's not like a, a th- they've already given up their, most of their future picks to get the guys they have. And I, I always think if you collect guys like they have and it doesn't work, uh, Jeremy Grant's going to have value. Lonzo Ball has value. Alex Caruso has value. So if Correct. you don't like it after two years, ship them off and get your pick back. Uh, no, that is an excellent point. Okay. Um, I, I And then I had one more. Memphis. Do you think Memphis is at all willing to trade for Jeremy Grant? Because that was the other team. I had yeah. uh, Anderson and Culver, but they had three first-round picks this year. So – it would, it would, and, and the Pistons want too. So I was thinking in their mindset, would that be a trade? Anderson, he's, he's got an expiring Culver. He's a young player. He's on $6 million deal. And then you get two first round picks from Memphis. What do you think of that trade for both teams? I don't think Memphis would do it. I, th- I think Memphis is crossing their fingers that Jalen Brown wants out of Boston. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, a couple of the pods I've listened to that, you know, there's been rumblings that Jalen Brown isn't thrilled about everything in Boston. And I think the, um, the Grizzlies move is this summer. If there's any inkling of it, they are going to dump their, all those picks match salary and slot him in next to John Morant. And, you know, I I think that's their guy they're going to go for. Um, I, I just don't think Jeremy Grant giving up two picks. Like, I don't think the Celtics would then view Jeremy Grant as anything huge for them. I think the Celtics would take those picks um, and players, whatever they can get and move them around if they have to get rid of Jalen Brown. But I think that the Grizzlies are going to go all in for Jalen Brown if possible this summer. And if not the other guys on this list, I think they would go after miles Turner, but I don't think he's going to get traded now, (laughs) but Yeah, no, so it's interesting because sort of like, to me, it's it's a little bit like the Bulls, like where I feel like Memphis's team is almost there. Like, I, I could actually even see them coming out of the West because I don't know how good the West is. Real, you know, like, I think they're like all really good, but I don't think there's a team up there that I'd be like, oh yeah, the Suns are going to beat everybody or whatever, you know. So it's sort of interesting because I feel like Grant could help their team, but I also feel like their chemistry is so good that I don't know if I want to mess with it either, either. So I I'm, I'm going to say for, for like, as a Pistons fan, there's other traits I'd rather have, but even for Memphis side, I don't know if I would, I would touch that. that yeah. Was sense. that, is it, was his name Avery, the big Grizzlies fan from your other pod? Yeah. 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 Avery. Yep. Yeah. 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 
I agree. They, the, the Grizzlies are awesome. They're like Bucks Southeast. They're, you know, assistant coach and everything. Um, yeah. The only, the only hesitation I have with the Grizzlies is maybe doing that trade now is John Morant is awesome, but he scares me <laughs> when, he, <laughs> when he goes up for all those dunks. Like I just, you know, you never want someone to get injured, but some of those guys, you just, you hope it doesn't turn into a Derrick Rose. Um, yes. So I see the point of, again, um, just like, who are we talking about? Just the bulls, just do it now. You might have a chance, but I think if you're the Grizzlies and you're trying to take the long haul and if there's a possibility for Jalen Brown, I think you take it. And if your consolation is Jeremy Grant this summer, I think they could still get Jeremy Grant too. So. Yeah, that's another great point is they could just wait it out until the summer. And then if Jalen Brown's not coming, then they can make a trade with those three first round picks. Yeah. Good point. Okay. Harrison Barnes, do you see him moving at all? I thought for sure he was going to be gone. I don't think he's going to get moved now. I think they have set the, the, the Kings have kind of set their team. I think they're going to keep them going forward. Maybe the summer they'll trade him, but you don't trade for Sabonis and like, Hey, let's tank now. <laughs> right. Like, I, I think they, there's, I think they think they can get to the play in tournament. It's a, it's a stretch. It's like six games, but it's the Kings. I, I don't think they ever do too many things very reasonably. So. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, it's the same type of teams though, that would need him. Somebody, you know, some teams that are like in the need for like a three and D guy, even though his D isn't as good as someone like Jeremy Grants or whatever. Um, but I don't see him moving either. Although if I was playing 2K, I, after the trade that they made, I'd be looking to unload both him and Holmes and seeing what kind of players I could get this around uh, Sabonis with or, you know, whatever, you know. Um, sure. Yeah. Miles Turner. Any, you think they're, he's moving? I, again, I don't think, I think he was, they were, they were picking between Turner and Sabonis. And when the Kings offered Halliburton, um, and I, I think there was a report I was reading today that Miles Turner was excited to be able to play with Hal Burton, run that pick mm. and roll. Um, you know, Hal Burton is better at setting guys up. You know, he's not a high volume chucker. So I think Turner will be happy. He'll get a few more shots. So I don't think they're, unless they end up with a top two pick, I, I think they're going to keep him. He's not exorbitantly paid. It's a great defensive center kind of goes, you know, with their guard. So I, I think he's, he's with Indiana for the next couple of years. Yeah. So again, when we were planning this podcast, Clint, I came up with some great trades from miles Turner, but I'll just give you one and just tell me who says no. So the Hornets need a center. And I thought it would be really cool if miles Turner could go there, play with LaMelo. And so I had Ubre and book night for Turner I don't know if picks need to be put in there. You tell me, but as far as the players go, what do you think of that trade for both teams? I think that he's perfect for the Hornets. I think yeah. the Hornets are probably sad today <laughs> that they, <laughs> they move Sabonis and wherever, and probably not moving um, Turner. Mm-hmm. I think the Pacers would want to pick um, okay. for Turner from, even though he was hurt from what I was reading, they still wanted two first round picks for Turner. Um, didn't have to be high picks, but I don't know. Ubre, I think he would kind of be redundant with their team. Uh, maybe it would give them a little insurance, but I think they really like TJ Warren. And mm-hmm. from what I've seen, TJ Warren wants to be there. So I think they're just going to, they're going to pay that man. 
Yeah, I think you can move off from Ubre anyway, but it's it's yeah. the so you're right. So it's the book night, and then you get a first round pick. You know, um, I don't know if they would consider that like two first round picks. I do because he he was picked this past year, but you know, teams like the mystery of the pick, but that was that was one <laughs> trade anyway. Yeah, that's not bad. I think if they threw in a pick, that would be considered, but I I don't know if the Pacers they're making sense, but they can be a little weird sometimes. Yeah, that's true. I wonder if Holmes now becomes a target for the the Hornets if they if they wanted a guy, yeah. a center. Yeah. Uh anything on the Knicks or the Lakers? Did uh do you think either one of those teams make a move? I think the Knicks are the front office is going to dump someone to get mm-hmm. um, Cam Reddish some playing time. Uh, I think the front office is just going to force Tibbs' hand and be like, "Hey, we're going to get rid of some of these guys." I don't know how many they're going to get rid of because, as you said, they they locked in these guys. They have team options on the third year, but still, you got to pay someone for next year that isn't playing great. And Fournier, that's just that's money out the window at this point. So. I think the Knicks will do something around the edge and that's about it. The Lakers, who knows? I just, I just looked while you were talking because the Bucks are playing the Lakers right now. The Bucks are winning 78 56 at halftime over the Lakers. So mm. I, I gladly enjoy the Lakers falling apart with all the old guys that LeBron thought somehow would work. Um, but I, they don't have anything. I mean, they gave it all up for, for, uh, Anthony Davis, and then for some reason, uh, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook. So correct. I mean, Horton Tucker in their 2027 pick, I think they can give up, but who wants Taylor Horton Tucker right now? The dude's shooting like 20% from three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on both those things. I don't see the uh, Knicks doing anything besides like try, like you mentioned, sort of like maintenance control is what I'm going to call it, like forcing Tibbs to 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 start the players they want him to start. I wonder if that will work though, or if Tibbs going to be defiant because it sounds like they're not getting along right now. And I could see Tibbs doing that because he's done it before. You know, um, the Lakers, Westbrook. You know, there was two two trades that I, I read about uh one to the Knicks and one to the 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 Rockets for John Wall but I don't see it, either one of them happening and I feel like this is kind of the bed that they made that LeBron and the Lakers made and they're gonna just have to fall asleep in in in, in the playoffs yeah it's again if they trade them to the Knicks if the Knicks did that they're just taking role players back which those are the role players they basically that they gave up to get Westbrook. Right. I just, I have no idea what they were doing. We don't have to go down the Westbrook rabbit hole. Cause that's, you know, yeah. Is he's terrible, but yeah, the, the Lakers, I have no idea what they're doing. I think they just, for some reason, they thought Russell Westbrook could do something besides hit the side of the backboard from the angle and 17 feet out. But it just, I, I think it's hopeless for him. I, you know, they might, I mean, they're going to be in the play and it looks like it just, they're not coming out of the West when you have to go through the Suns, Warriors, and Grizzlies. Just yeah, it's not happening. To punt. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I sit. yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, last thing we'll talk about: Harden for Simmons. That's been the the hot rumor. It's on again, off again type of relationship. Uh, do you think we see a deal? Uh, how do you feel about that deal for both both teams? Take take it where you want it, there, Clint. Originally, I was going to say no. 
I saw tonight that Nets held out Harden. I think a lot of the leaks are coming from the Sixers. They want Harden, but I think Harden is sick of Kyrie, <laughs> like the rest <laughs> of us. Um, I don't know if it will get done. I think as a Bucks fan, I would love for Harden to go to the Sixers because I think paying James Harden $200 million for the next five years is just approaching Westbrook level in a year or two. Um, I think Simmons would actually fit nicely with Durant and Kyrie Irving, assuming Kyrie Irving can think like a human and, you know, kind of get it in check going forward as that's what they need. They need someone to play defense on that team. Um, I would do it if I was the Nets, because I just, I'm not a big James Harden guy. I just, not that I don't think he's good. I just, I don't think you can count on him in the playoffs. He's another guy like Zion, not highly motivated to stay in shape. He's had a hamstring injury the last year and a half. Um, if I was the Sixers, I know Daryl Morey, you know, they basically uh, have a, a marriage together from their time mm -hmm. in Houston. I just, I don't know if I want to pay James Harden 200 and something million dollars for the next four or five years. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is, so I love the trade for the Nets if that happened, because I do think like having someone like, could you imagine having Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant on the same team defensively? That'd be ridiculous. I'd feel bad for Giannis a little bit just because Giannis will be, he'll again, score his points, but that'll be the hardest 40 points he puts up because it'll be one or the other. Um, I don't really like the fit with Embiid and Harden. And I know like people are going to be like, what, what are you talking about? Like this guy's the best pick and roll player or whatever. But Embiid plays really well with like, like right now, Seth Curry is just having this career year. Right. Or uh, JJ Redick. Like that's the type of player that Embiid, uh, plays real well with, and he's like playing at an MVP level. If you bring in someone like James Harden, you are going to have to change your entire offense. And I don't think that's good. Like, I don't think that's good for Embiid or the 76ers. So I, I don't really like the, the trade for the 76ers. If that trade would happen with Harden. I agree. Like all those, those shooters, they had Redick. Even even Maxi right now, he can get downhill. He's quick. James and, and Embiid isn't a lob threat. You know, Harden was great in Houston with Clint Capella because he Correct. just throw up those lobs. He's struggling with the Nets because they have no one he can throw those lobs to. And he's, I believe he's career low is finishing at the rim. So yes, Embiid draws attention, but James Harden isn't blowing by anyone this season. He doesn't shoot. He doesn't catch and shoot. He, he, there's plenty of videos against the when he's with the Nets. He's just standing there in the corner. They swing the ball to him, and he just head fakes and he wants to dribble drive. He's not a catch and shoot shooter. Maybe you could. Maybe at the end of his career, he'll turn into one. But again, and then on defense, he's a huge problem. I mean, not that Seth Curry is a good defender. They can work around it a little bit, but you know they do the. Uh, the Sixers switch one through four when they have to. But if James Harden is your main defender and he's got to be out there, you can take Seth Curry off the floor. They have other guys. But if James Harden has got to be out there at the end of games, you're just going to run a one-five pick and roll with Giannis at the one. You're yeah. going to have James Harden run that switch or then Embiid's on Chris Middleton 25 feet from the hoop. You know, not just 
um, not just the Bucks, but all those playoff teams. I, again, I, I don't think it would be bad. The Sixers aren't going to be a 30 win team after that. I just, I don't, again, I don't think it puts them to the next level because I don't think James Harden is improving from here on out. It's just, it's going to be slowly downhill. He's going to it, want the ball. Yeah. And could you imagine like Philadelphia fans being mad at Ben Simmons because he didn't make that layup and he choked, you know, he didn't shoot it or dunked it. And, and then you have James Harden having a game where he goes two for 15 in the fourth quarter, you know, in a fourth quarter game or whatever. Um, I mean, Philadelphia will turn on him pretty quick. And what guarantees you when you think about James Harden being like unhappy in Houston, even though Houston did everything he wanted, they got Chris Paul. He didn't want Chris Paul anymore. So they got Russell Westbrook. Didn't want Russell Westbrook anymore. Goes to the team that he wants over in, you know, Brooklyn. And now he's not happy there. What guarantees you that he's going to be happy over by you now? Yeah. And you're putting so many eggs in that basket. And if he gets hurt, he has a hamstring. Now you're back to square one, even if you just do a Harden for Simmons straight up. So at least you have someone who's playing. Uh, I just think they're, they're going to play a game of chicken and the Sixers are saying he's going to come here in free agency. We'll just dump our, we'll dump Simmons trying to call the Nets bluff and the Nets are like, uh, all right, you can try to do that. But we, I think they wanted Seth Curry back um, with, with Harden Simmons. and Simmons. Yeah. They yeah. wanted Simmons and Curry or Maxi. So I don't know. I just, I, I do think it might get done though. Yeah, I, I it think, could. Yeah. I think James Harden is as much as Steve Nash said, they're not going to trade him. And as much as they're playing the cards close to the vest, like, I don't know. I think they're just going to ask James Harden tonight, tomorrow, you got to resign. Do you yeah. want to stay? And if it's a no, I, I, I think you got to get something or you risk, you risk the Sixers sending Simmons to uh, Portland <laughs> and Tobias Harris to the, to the Thunder trading some draft picks. And then they have enough room to sign uh, James Harden, but it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, you know, bef- again, before like all the news broke, uh, because now we know Bradley Beal is done for the season. My, my thing, if I were the 76ers and I'm not Daryl Morey and I'm not married to um, James Harden, so it's not like I have those emotional attachments that he does, but I would actually rather have Beal than, than Harden because Beal is that type of player that plays off ball, catch and shoots. He could run off screens like with he, he, he can be a better version of like a Seth Curry or a, a, a J.J. Redick. Like I'd rather have Beal, Beal than Harden because you don't have to change your entire offense to fit Beal like you would Harden. So, but anyway, yeah, we'll see. It's going to be crazy. So get before we go, one prediction you have, give me a crazy prediction. What one crazy, give me a, a realistic prediction that we'll see before the trade deadline and a crazy one. I think that, the Hawks are going to trade Gallinari to the Raptors for, oh, interesting. for Drogic. And I think he's going to get bought out and end up with the Mavs. Like he wanted to go. Okay. Um, I think the Raptors have, I think they won like six in a row now or like, mm-hmm. Hey, we need, we need someone who can score. I think that's going to be their problem is offense. And they have four or five guys that are just insane defenders. So I think that's like a under the radar, maybe not a huge needle mover that they'll do. 
I think the Harden Simmons one is like the one crazy. It's going to come down to two o'clock or whatever it is on Thursday afternoon um, to get done. But I think that there's going to be a lot of little things. And I think one of the holdups is Harden Simmons. Is can someone need to get in on that trade? Like, is it going to be a three team? And I even think with some of the other trades, they haven't even been done yet. Like, I don't think the Sabonis trade is official yet. So I think you, you mentioned oh. healed getting rerouted. You know, the other trades were done already. Uh, the players played, but um, that Pacers one hasn't been uh, official yet. So right. I, I wonder if there's trying to work or third teams trying to get in and they just play it out the next day or two. That or they backed out like they did with the Milwaukee Bucks uh, for yeah. Bodanovich. So that could happen too. Well, that's what happens when you have an owner that can't shut up. Um, the, yeah. Yeah. That team <laughs> would be even more scary. But so my, my like realistic prediction, I'm going to say, ah, oh man, I, you know, I, I thought about this asking you this question, but I didn't like think about it myself. So I'm going to say it's probably like, I'm going to say that the Bucks moved DiVincenzo. I don't know who for, but I'll say that's my realistic prediction that the Bucks probably move him. If I would guess, because I just got done listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, there's a lot of rumblings about him and Dennis Schroeder. And I know you don't want to hear that, but if I had to make a safe prediction, I'd probably predict that. Um, my crazy- I think, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Even if they don't trade Dante, I think at deadline they would trade George Hill for Schroeder. Okay. Because I think the Celtics need to get on, they want to get under the tax. And they're George Hill is like four million, Dennis Schroeder's like five point six. Um, so I think the Celtics, if if they don't want to give up Grant Williams, maybe a George Hill in a 2027 20, second or some one of the seconds way down the road to get Dennis Schroeder, which would be fine. They need someone off the bench that's better than George Hill's been hurt and better than George Teague. From <laughs> <last year. laughs> um, yeah, no, that's that, that, that I could see. I could see. I think that you're right though. Boston wants to get under that tax. So um, by the way, I was going to say Raptors sneaky would have been a good Sabonis team with those defenders and in, in him. Anyway, we're off of Sabonis now. I'm going to say my crazy prediction. I think that Jeremy Grant winds up on the Chicago Bulls. And I think that the Bulls and Pistons get a trade done. And uh, the Bulls come out looking good after that trade because I think they, they get sort of that missing piece. That's going to be my crazy prediction. So that one cannot come true. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, I, I <laughs> we'll think as a Bucks. Down. Yeah, like as a Bucks fan, that would be legitimately like, I don't want that one to happen, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I would agree. There, I, I still think the Bucks could could win a series, but you you would not want to play the Bulls in the second round. <laughs> I had a, a crazy trade. I, I, it sounded like you listened to the podcast. That um, let's see, let's see if I can find it real quick. I know, yeah. Thanks for for bearing with me, but it was a, a three teamer, which is pretty crazy. Um, it was. Uh, well, Heald's traded already, but it was uh, um, Ben Simmons and Bagley going to the Pistons. Jeremy Grant, Olenek, and Heald ending up on the 76ers, and then the Kings getting picks, Tobias Harris and, and Stewart. 
that was sort of my pick, but like, you know, multiple first round picks, one from each team. So that was sort of my crazy trade that got demolished already. So I'm just going to pick another one that will be destroyed. So, <laughs> well, you got time on the trade machine now. Yeah, that, that, there we go. Okay. Well, thanks, Clint, so much for taking the time. Anything else before we go? Nope. What's, well, I didn't get any Woj bombs during that. I had my phone right here. I didn't get any Woj bombs during the, the podcast. I was hoping maybe something would happen during the podcast, but I haven't seen anything. So no, yeah, I, I got it up too. I was like checking uh, because I was like, Oh, we could get a live reaction, but watch <laughs> as soon as we get off the, the podcast, we're going to get one. I'm going to be like, man, you're going to have to do some editing anyway. Thanks so much for joining me, Clint. Thanks for taking the time. This was a little longer than I anticipated, but it was enjoy- I enjoyed talking to you. I hope you enjoyed yourself as well. Everybody else, I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Um, please follow me on Instagram at nuttybuddy underscore sports. Uh, also review the podcast, um, subscribe to it, and also go check out some uh, YouTube clips, Nutty Buddy Sports. Uh, I posted a couple instant reactions and we'll also put a couple of clips uh on this podcast on there too and look out because later this week i'll be doing a super bowl prediction show i'm actually doing at least two of them with two different groups of friends so look out for that uh, later on this week thanks so much everybody for listening i hope you enjoyed and we will talk to you guys soon